0: Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from somewhere in the western half of Canada. Episode 67, Change. This morning, I sat down to do some backstitching on the accolade. Once again, I made my best guess at matching the colours and weights of the lines in the chart to the colours and weights of the lines in the legend, and set to work on outlining hands and faces. When I finished the two colours I'd set myself as a goal, I took a look at it, and something wasn't right. Back I went to the photo, to the chart, to the legend, and once again, I had chosen incorrectly. This time, though, I couldn't leave it in. The other color did not do the job it was supposed to do, bringing definition to otherwise undefined facial features. Despite my previous promise to myself that I would just accept any misinterpretations as creative license, I had to pull this one back and redo it. And as I did so, with a small amount of cursing, I realized that this moment writ in fiber was just a continuation of the direction of the last two weeks. It has been a time of minor upheaval around here. The story is too long and convoluted and with too many players and moving pieces to truly describe in a podcast. But this part of the tale ends with there having been three people in our home and our office, and now that number is down to two. Our friend's departure was sudden and quick and left a physical and mental hole in our lives that neither Randy nor I expected. I have spent a lot of time cleaning, sorting, and rearranging, both at home and at the office this past week. Thankfully, both are fairly small, so I have been able to stretch my energy and our belongings to fill both spaces. I now have a proper working studio at the office for my fiber arts and writing work, with standing tables that will hopefully fit the circular sock machine, and a space for teaching. I have unpacked the boxes we moved here with, and am deciding where things will be housed for the moment until we can put the arrangement to the usability test and figure out if they're in the right spaces. Our ridiculous cat has claimed what is now a spare bedroom as his own. I have two rooms to go and I expect I'll be finished with them in the next day or two. And I recognize that the urgency I felt to complete this process quickly was in part a reaction to the way our circumstances changed so completely unexpectedly. Change is a constant of life. The weather changes, the moon goes through phases, we cycle through day and night, our bodies age, we get new jobs, we make new friends and lose old ones. And despite the fact that we know that life is change, sometimes we get comfortable or stuck in a certain place or time or relationship, and we forget that the opposite of change is stagnation. This has been my year of change. At this time last year, I was living in the province I'd lived in my entire life, in a house I'd been in for four years and a city I'd moved to 13 years before, with a job I'd had for nine years. Twelve months later, I am in a different province, different house and city, and I am working very differently than I ever have before in my life. My brain is different, my coping strategies are different, my self-awareness is different, and I'm able to articulate things now that I never could have a year ago. I know that the whirlwind of dusting and Mr. Clean that I became this week was a holdover of old neural pathways. But once aware of that, I was able to acknowledge the root of the activity— I didn't stop, because these were not jobs that I could leave half done, but the sense of urgency is much diminished, and I am able to acknowledge that my body and brain also need time to rest in order to continue my freelance work and to do the other things I have committed to doing. So this morning, as I was tearing out the dark grey backstitching in preparation for replacing it with brown, I took some time to reflect on change. I had made a deal with myself in order to continue to work on the accolade, that I would accept what happened with the choices I made. But the next time I ran up against that situation, the deal didn't work. The error could definitely be seen from the back of a galloping horse, and I would never be happy if I left it the way it was. And the same held true for our friend, and us, when it came down to it. We had been running under a plan that was discussed over two years ago, but in all details the circumstances had changed. The plan worked for a while in the new circumstances, but it was never a comfortable fit, and so change was necessary. I thank our friend for making life changes, even if they did have to happen so quickly and with so much upheaval for all of us. We can now all move forward, knowing that we'll be better able to handle the next changes that come our way. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. I found it very interesting as I was tidying up this week and rearranging the office so that I can have a studio up front, a space where I can actually work and and where I have space for everything. I found it interesting that creating that space really inspired me to you know, think, think more about what I want my fiber arts career to be like, and, and actually be able to envision it, and envision working on it. I guess I've really missed having a fibertorium. You know, I I had a fibertorium in the old house back in Edmonton. And, you know, it was the space where I went to think about fiber stuff. And I didn't, I I had a space where I had my great wheel set up in the office as it was before. But, it was more just sort of shoehorned in there and now i'm actually creating a space where i can i can see what i need to do so i think that's going to have a real big impact on on how i approach things over the next couple weeks just need to do a little bit more cleanup there's a few things that we still need to to sort out there's a plenty of house plants that somehow or another need to find homes because right now they're sitting on the the table that I have in the center which will be for my uh, for classes or or a place to to sit so so yeah but it's it's coming along and I needed to come along because there's been a lot of interest in the last couple weeks from from people who want to learn how to spin here locally so I'm really really focused on trying to get a uh, learn how to spin on a toy wheel spindle class up and running before the end of october i have a, a one hour one and a half hour class already created i'm gonna look at that material and see if i can expand that into a two or three hour class you know maybe do it for a half day on a weekend and and see i i'm on two minds about that because i usually find that about the one hour and a half mark people's brains are pretty full so i may still leave it like that but i'll still explore it and see if i can if i can expand it how i might be able to expand it yeah we'll we'll get that going i'm also teaching an introduction to wet felting class at the local library in november we're going to make christmas ornaments little felted Christmas balls for the for the tree and so I'm making some samples and I've forgotten how much fun it can be to wet felt you know yeah I'm a spinner so so you know in some ways it seems almost like a waste of wool but you can make some super cool things the the first one I made was not very good I didn't think so it it turned out really flat and I'd use two different textures of wool in it and then when I was sitting there drying, I'm like, if I embroider black eyes on this, it becomes a superhero pickle. So, you know, it, it just it's, it's it's a different outlet for creativity. And so it's, I mean, it's soap and water and wool, and what's not to like? It's it's good, clean fun. So I'm going to uh, um, be working on that. I'll probably create some cool bats, uh, just with some some texture in them, some maybe a little bit of color, so that people can just use that uh, for their for their ball, and uh, yeah, it should be a ton of fun. We also had worldwide spin in public day, and I was not sure what was going to happen here because you know it's I've, I've noticed it's quite a small community, but we had ten people out, and three of them I'd never met before. So there's there's there are spinners here, lots of them, and and I'm I hope I'm going to be able to continue to get to know them and and interact with them and and you know form a really good community here. And it's it's just been it's just it was just a blast to be out there with with everybody and and see what everybody was working on and and see you know what what they were spinning and what they were spinning on. The one lady had this fascinating old. Uh, antique wheel that had a rope footman and I mean it obviously worked because you got a lot of spinning done but I kept looking at it going it's rope it's not actually how does that work it was it was super fun we had initially I'd initially planned to be outside somehow or another um, it went from summer to winter just overnight so it'd been really rainy all week so we moved inside to the mall uh, they were happy to accommodate us, and we were we were super glad that they were able to do that. So it was it was a lot of fun. I hope everybody else had a really great worldwide spin in public day. So again, not so much of an update on my technical spinning, besides the fact that you know I'm I'm now getting to a place where I can actually focus on it, as well as you know figure out what I want to teach in the future. Speaking of teaching, let's get into level four. We are on to module B2 and B3, which is all about flax. There are nine skeins that I had to spin for level four. And I don't know if it's still nine skeins, uh, but it's probably pretty close to that. One of them is a blend. It's a flax wool blend. So Lindsay Woolsey is what it's called, which is definitely an interesting thing to spin and my instructor asked me how I finished it. And to be honest, I have no idea. It doesn't say in my notes. It was a very long time ago. I expect I just washed it like wool. Um, I just, you know, threw it in in hot, soapy water and let it sit there and then took it out and rinsed it and hung it to dry. But that may not have been appropriate. And that's something that I should definitely look into. There are five skeins from Line Flax. And three skeins from toe, although technically it's just two, because you spin one bleached, one natural, and then you have to bleach a natural. So you can just basically spin twice as much of the natural and then make two skeins and bleach one of them. I hung mine in a window for five months, as well as boiled it for three hours, and it barely made any difference in the color. So... Those are the instructions from the uh, Practical Spinner's Guide to Cotton Flax and Hemp. Uh, I don't know. There is definitely a difference in the color, but it's like degrees of tan, not white. So what are the things we need to talk about with when we talk about flax? Depending on if it's toe or line, let's start talking about toe. It needs less twist, they're very long fibers, even toe is fairly long. So it it doesn't need nearly as much twist to hold it together, it's more like a long wool. Flax has a natural S twist, so you may want to spin it S and ply it Z, which is opposite from what we quote unquote usually spin, which is, you know, spin Z, ply S. You also probably wanna spin it wet, especially the toe, because that will help smooth down the yarn. If you wet your fingers in a bowl, kind of shake them off. You don't want them soaking wet. And then use, and the, these would be your drafting fingers. And then, you know, use your fingers to dampen the fiber as it goes through. Then uh, it that dissolves some of the cellulose and helps smooth down some of the fibers. You want a fairly high take up too because you want it spun onto your bobbin fairly tightly. The five line skeins, the only difference between them is how you're dealing with a line. Line flax can be really long. Like your staple length is like two to four feet here. I hated every single way of managing line flax except for the distaff. I just hated them. And I don't know if that's because of the instructions in the book that, you know, I just, I'd, I'd forgotten how it was demonstrated to us by the time I got home or what. But I really just hated it. And so as an instructor, I'm going to have to go back and get myself a strict and practice these things again to make sure, A, that I can demonstrate them and B, maybe I was doing something wrong. Like, that's entirely possible there were some places in my yarns and my, uh, my instructor noted that where I had too low of a twist especially in my ply there were, she said there were places two or three inches where it wasn't plied at all so that's something to be aware of when you're when you're dealing with line just because you don't have to have as much twist doesn't mean that you can have no twist so that's also something I'm going to have to work on as well. I would love to be just to spin some line flax just for fun like find a project and 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 just spin up a strick and, and see what happens with it. But I did enjoy spinning flax. It was very different obviously it's very different than wool as a as a bast fiber. It is its own thing and The nice thing about bast fibers is, as a general rule, they'll start off, you know, strong and coarse, but the more you wash them, and the more you handle them, and the more you wear them, the softer they get. And I remember that, too, when I I crocheted from commercial hemp yarn a hat, and it was fine up until I washed it, and then it just got all drapey and (laughs) Lovely, but I couldn't see because the brim came down in front of my face. So I had to completely redo the brim to give it a bit more structure. And that is the cool thing about bast fibers. So I I did lose a few marks. Mostly, they were for you know some some record keeping things, a little bit of inconsistency in the twist. So just things to keep in mind when you're spinning flax for your level four. I definitely have a lot more learning to do when it comes to flax, just like I have with Angora and a few other things. I'm going to have to start a post-it note wall of experiments I want to run at a later date. Next episode, we'll talk about module B4, which is Rami. Rami is another bast fiber from in and around Korea and Vietnam, that area, and it is also very interesting, but we'll talk more about it next time fiber notes so I was working on the wedding shawl and I was getting really close to the end of chart four and I'm still barely into like the third color of this yarn and I wasn't sure that it was going to use up as much as I thought it was going to use up. So I decided to do a bunch of math. Math. Oh boy, knitting math. I tried to do it by hand at first, uh, just with a calculator in my brain and a piece of paper. And somewhere along the line I messed up somewhere in chart three and I gave up. And so the other night I sat down with a spreadsheet... (laughs) And did it with a spreadsheet, which was much easier and, and I could keep track because I had, you know, row, row numbers and all of that jazz. And, and so I figured out exactly how many stitches are going to be in this shawl, which is over 40,000. Yep, there we go, 40,000. But I also determined that by the end of chart four, I should be 44% of the way through my yarn. And I'm definitely not 44% of the way through my yarn. I haven't even bothered weighing it. I just, I know that. So then I sat and I tried to figure out if I could add um, more to this particular section, because we're into sort of the knot section in between the two main motifs of this shawl. And I wanted to see if I could add enough stitches or if it was possible to add enough stitches and still have enough yarn. And then when I actually got into the math and I needed to, if I was gonna add two repeats, I would need to add 48 stitches, which really came down to 48 more rows of this. And it was like, oh my God, that is a lot of rows and yarn. And then I looked at the pattern and it just was not, it was not going to look good, so. I talked it over with Randy and sort of told him what I'd been doing with the math and what it would all mean. And he looked at me and said, we agreed that this would be the shawl. Because I'd said I could tear it all back and find a different pattern that would actually use up most of the yarn. And he's right. It doesn't really matter how much yarn is left. I spun it with the intention of using it for a wedding shawl. I'm still using it for a wedding shawl. The fact that it's not going to use as much as I thought is immaterial. It's still going to be beautiful. It's still going to go through at least one round of the colors. It's just not going to end at the end of the ball or even close to the end of the ball. And really, it's a shawl that's 40,000 stitches. So why am I stressing about this? It's still going to be beautiful and big and all of that. And I will have, you know a good probably at least quarter if not more of the ball left to do something else with so I haven't been working on the shawl very much in the last two weeks in part because of all the cleaning but also because I've been trying to get this math done and figure out what I want to do now I figured out what I want to do I can start working on it again so I'm two pattern rows away from the end of chart four then I will move on to chart five and six and It's going to be beautiful, and then then I'm going to block it, and it's going to be amazing. So while that was sort of on hold, I finished the vanilla latte socks I was working on. Uh, I knit them in women's size 8. They're a perfect fit, so that worked out quite well uh, for the person I knit them for. And then I went digging in my cabinet, and I found a pair of socks I started over a year ago. The yarn is the Boo colorway from Sea Turtle Fiber Arts. It is a, what does she call them? Streckles, 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 which is speckled stripes. And it's purple, orange, and black. So very Halloween-y colorway. And I had intended to have a pair of those socks ready for me by last Halloween. And that didn't happen. So I've pulled them out again. And I'm aiming for this Halloween. Which is a month away. (laughs) Very funny. I'm hilarious. The pattern is uh, vanilla is the new black. Can we sense a theme here? Vanilla latte socks, vanilla is the new black. Someday I'll knit complicated socks again. Uh, I'd finished the leg and I was ready to start the, uh, the heel increases. And so I've completed those and also the gusset decreases. I'm onto the foot already on the first sock. So that's going quite well I'll just keep knitting around and around and then I'll do the toe and then I'll cast on for the second one Vanilla's the new black is a a really nice pattern I I like the way the heel fits Uh, I'm doing the 68 stitch one I'm hoping that this will be a, a good a good size I can't fit in a 64 stitch sock anymore I don't understand why whether my gauge has changed or my feet have gotten bigger I'm not sure So I'm hoping the 68 will fit. So in between all of this and uh, at night, because I needed something that was very low on brain power, I crocheted six dishcloths, just single crochet, about 30 stitches across. But I used something called Bernat Handicrafter Scrub-Off, which is a combination of the regular Bernat Handicrafter and then a cotton boucle. I managed to get six of them out of one 250 gram ball which is pretty good and it seems like they'll be really good for for how you know doing the dishes and and wiping counters and things like that so we were we were down to one dishcloth so I needed some and uh, yeah so now I've got six that'll last us like years before we wear them all out so yeah that was just something I did uh after I was done cleaning at night just wanted to breast. And I'm continuing to work on the supported spindle project for ply and it is going. And that's all I have to say about that. It's uh I'm working on getting the second ply done. I'm um, about seven I need more about seven more grams onto the spindle before I can start the third ply. And I'm running out of time, so it's going to be high on my priority list uh, during the days uh, to, to get some supported spindling done. So we'll see where I am in two weeks on the wedding shawl, where I am on the socks, and where I am on the yarn for ply. Cranking on the fiber side. I did find emery cloth. I had to go to a plumbing shop, of all places. And even then, because most, most new installations for plumbing are plastic, they had only one box of uh, an emery cloth roll. But I did find it, so that, that's one check mark on the list of things I needed. I also found an oil applicator bottle that will hopefully work. It's a cooking bottle that I found at a dollar store, but it's squeezable. It has a a small tip on it. So hopefully it will apply the oil the way we need it to. I've also cleaned the needles in isopropyl alcohol. So at least, you know, they're all ready to go. The cylinder needles are done. The ribber needles, because I'm not going to start with the ribber. I just want to see how the cylinder goes. So the ribber needles are soaking in alcohol right now. We'll uh, we'll get those ready. And uh, rearranging the office so that now I actually have a, a place to set this up that will be, you know, relatively contained and out of the way just makes a huge difference. So we'll take everything down to the office again and get the machine set up on the table, get it oiled, and then I'll follow along in the instructions on how to cast on. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun to get that going. By the wayside. So yes, I made another mistake on the accolade at least this one wasn't a huge amount of backstitching just uh you know maybe about maybe about 45 minutes worth but it really did look terrible i really did have to take it back so i i unpicked it and i did it this redid this afternoon and now it looks now it looks much much better so I'm gonna get done with the people, because that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And then I'm gonna get started on the columns. Uh, what columns you say? All the blank space in between all of the stitching are columns and and doorways and tapestries and what have you from the original picture. But it's all straight stitch, surrounded by a little bit of back stitching to make it look like a column. And that is a lot of straight stitch to fill in but uh but that's part of this design so finish up the people finish the call or do the columns and then straight stitch this area and see how it looks and you know hopefully we'll we'll see Uh, the next mistake i make maybe it won't be quite so blatant and i'll just be able to leave it But, you know, there was a good thing to happen for me to be able to say, you know what, I can't just leave it. I still care enough about this, even if it frustrates me, that I want it to look good. Which means maybe I'm getting a better attitude towards this piece. I certainly hope so. Thank you for joining me for episode 67. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 68 on October 6th, 2019. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefibreside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at Fiberside, that's F-I-B-R-E, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.